Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The FT. Welcome to this edition of World Weekly. I'm Gideon Rachman. Today, we look at Russia and specifically the Russian economy and the impact of a falling oil price and a falling Russian ruble. Joining me here in the studios, Neil Buckley, our East Europe editor, and on the line from Moscow is Katrin Hiller, our bureau chief in the Russian capital. Katrin, first of all, just give us a situation report. How bad is the state of the Russian economy at the moment? Well, at long last, the Ministry of Economic Development admitted on Tuesday that the government does expect the economy to slip into recession next year. I think that was the first government department to officially change its forecast for next year in that direction. So the Russian government has been the last to predict that there will be a contraction next year. And you can actually feel it all over the place. And it's not surprising because the Russian banking sector and most of the corporate sector have been largely locked out of international capital markets for several months now due to Western sanctions. So refinancing external debt is going to get increasingly difficult. And with the ruble on the back of the oil price slide falling faster and faster, ordinary people are increasingly feeling the pinch as well. Give us a sense of what it's like for ordinary people. I know you've been out in shops and talking to people on the streets. Well, you know, ordinary Russians have been through a lot over the past 20 years, so maybe it takes a bit more for them to really start panicking. And often what we hear is actually, oh, you know, it's not that bad yet. But over the past few weeks, we've seen a few incidents where people have started panic buying and hoarding of certain articles. There was this incident where people started buying buckwheat and hoarding buckwheat, a staple that is very popular here, because there had been news reports about a wheat harvest in the main region of production. And then suddenly there was a shortage and you couldn't get buckwheat anywhere. And that kind of reminded many people that maybe there is a serious economic problem. Then people have been rushing to buy imported goods before prices are hiked. Apple increased prices for its products in Russia by a large amount a couple of weeks ago after sticking to the old price for a long, long time. So before that, people were rushing to buy iPhones and iPads and other things. There was a special promotion event at MediaMarkt, a German-owned electronic retail chain, where electronic goods were offered at pre-devaluation prices, and they needed to use large amounts of security to keep people from trampling each other because uh, the demand was so large. Neil, obviously there's a lot going wrong simultaneously for the Russian economy. Can you talk us through, it seems to me there are three main elements. There's the sanctions, there's the fall in the oil price, and there's the ruble also falling. Which is the more important and how are they connected? Well, there's a combination of factors. Western sanctions, as Catherine said, have made it very difficult for Russian corporates in particular to refinance their debts, which are large, over $600 billion worth of total corporate external debt in Russia. But at the same time, the weakening, sharply weakening ruble has increased the servicing costs of that debt. 
So it's a kind of, if you like, the falling ruble has acted as a sort of force multiplier unexpectedly on uh, Western sanctions. Of course, when the West imposed the sanctions, no one was expecting that we would then see a very large fall in the oil price. And the fact that those two things have come together has created a kind of perfect storm in the Russian economy, which people had not foreseen. And of course, the simplified version of the fall of the Soviet Union often cites the fall of the oil price in the mid-80s, because back then Russia was also incredibly dependent on oil revenues for its government finances. Is that still the case? How oil dependent is Russia or how vulnerable is the Russian government to a fall in the oil price now? Russia is still very vulnerable to the fall in the oil price because about 50 to 60 percent of export revenues come from energy. However, the country is much better off in other ways. It has still very considerable foreign exchange reserves, more than $400 billion of foreign exchange reserves. If you remember at the end of the Soviet period, it had virtually run out uh, foreign exchange reserves. And that happened again in 1998 when there was the next big fall in the oil price. So it has got a bit of a war chest here. But with the situation deteriorating as quickly as it is, there are questions about how far that war chest can stretch and how long it can last. For example, I mean, you say 400 billion, which is a huge amount. On the other hand, isn't it the case that Rosneft, just one company, has $45 billion in outstanding debt, something like that? Well, Rosneft is looking for about that sum in a government bailout. And there are other big companies that are looking for billions and tens of billions in bailouts as well. So, And also the central bank, before it moved to essentially a free float of the ruble, had managed to burn through $70 billion in trying to support the ruble this year. So the sums sound large, but actually you can go through them quite quickly. So, Catherine, give us a sense of how the Russian government is trying to deal with this perfect storm that Neil described. Is there a very lively policy debate and where are they heading? Well, throughout this year, there were lots of noises out of the administration. We got a clear sense that there was, well, I wouldn't call it a lively debate. There were probably lots of arguments going on with the group of people we sometimes called the liberals, maybe it's more accurate to call them technocrats, professional uh, economists who have been running economic policy for Putin over most of his tenure as president, fearing that they were losing influence to hardliners and people from the security services who, who tended to favor a different approach to economic policy. And actually looking back over these several months under Western sanctions, one must say that all in all, the the Russian government's response, despite the hostile political rhetoric in terms of economic policy, has been reasonable and rational. And so you could argue that in that confined area, the technocrats have still retain some of their influence, and Mr. Putin actually does still listen to them. Now, however, since the ruble's slide became faster and faster, since late October, basically, there has been increasingly lively debate over what to do, and we're seeing some considerations in the government now um, how to adjust the budget, which was the budget for 2015, which was just passed not too long ago, and they're already admitting that the budget needs to be adjusted to the new realities under the weaker oil price and the weaker ruble. The fiscal area is not the area of the biggest risk because, in contrast to earlier financial crises, Russia's government finances are in quite good shape. But they are extremely important for the government in a political and a social sense now because 
due to the economic pressure imposed by the sanctions, the government needs more money to manage bailouts, as Neil has mentioned, and, well, basically to keep social stability. Just if we take a look at the economy ministry's new economic forecast, new assumptions for next year, they're now forecasting a 2.8% drop in real disposable income. I took a quick look back and I couldn't even find a single annual figure in this area that came even close to such a drop throughout all of Putin's time in power since 2000. I mean, there, there was one year in 2011 where real disposable income was flat, but Putin has actually never dealt with a situation where people had, in real terms, less money in their pockets. So it remains to be seen how they behave then if they change their minds on their fervent support for Putin as a leader. And my impression is that the Kremlin is very well aware of that. People are, are talking about political risk and big pressures to maintain social stability. So, Neil, is this, in a rather brutal way, a sign that Western policy is working? I mean, surely the aim of sanctions, in a sense, was to create pressure on the Russian government to show them that there was a cost. Or is there also a risk that it works too well? I mean, does the West actually risk creating social chaos if things really get out of hand? And would that be in Western interests? That's a very good question. I think the aim of Western sanctions had not been to effect regime change in Russia, even though you do hear from Russian analysts suggestions that this was the case and, and some noises from within the Kremlin suggesting that the Kremlin views sanctions uh, in, in that way as something that's aimed at bringing down the regime. What sanctions were meant to do was to put pressure on Mr. Putin and his ruling circle to change their policies towards Ukraine and to engage in a, a negotiated settlement. And of course, sanctions, when they were first imposed, were seen as being actually relatively weak. A few months ago, we were discussing the rather limp response from the West. But combined with the oil price fall, they've had a much more serious impact much more quickly than would have been expected. And that is putting a lot of pressure, a lot more pressure than had been uh, originally expected on Russia's government with potentially unpredictable results. So, Catherine, just to wind up, give us a sense from your point of view and people you speak to, how long can this go on and how stable or unstable does the situation feel? Well, I think the answer to this question depends to a large extent on what happens with the oil price and the ruble next. It's quite clear that if the ruble devaluation spirals out of control, there might be a very rapid loss of confidence in the banking sector. And once you have a panic, it would be very hard to get it under control. And um, I'm not sure the, the central bank, although they arguably have done all the right things up to now, could deal with that. So if we see a real currency crisis developing here, then the rest of the system is probably pretty unstable as well, especially considering that this administration or this political system has morphed into something that completely depends on the decisions of one man. It's very intransparent. And there are no mechanisms for succession. There is no really open debate about what to do next politically. And there is no viable opposition that would enjoy the support of a large number of people. So there could be political instability as a result of economic chaos pretty quickly. OK, well, with that thought, thank you very much indeed, Catherine Hill in Moscow. And thanks also to Neil Buckley here in London. That's it for this week. Until next week, goodbye. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts. 
Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.